So today we're going to pick up where we left off last week, which was we talked about how the Bible changes us. And uh, in 2 Timothy 3.16, we learned that the Bible changes us by teaching us um, God's truth, by exposing wrong behavior, showing you the right path, and teaching you how to stay on the right path. And you remember we concluded our time talking about the key to the Bible changing your life is application. Application is simply doing what the Bible teaches you to do. You know, and that's what really boils down to. There's a whole lot more of us that know the Bible, but less of us do the Bible. But it's doing the Bible that's really going to make the difference. And I found that's not so easy. It's a lot easier to learn the Bible than it is to do the Bible. Amen? And James 1.25 says, If you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for... God will bless you for... See, it's not just you don't get blessed just because you learn it. you got to do it. Amen? And so the person God blesses is the person that learns and obeys the truth of God's... Uh, the truth of God found in the Bible. And you remember we talked about that story in Matthew 7 where Jesus told this story about two people built their house. And I want to read it in the message. And it goes like this. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed, the ho- it collapsed like a house of cords. Well, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty contemporary, isn't it? And so, you know, according to Jesus, the difference between a wise person and a foolish person is the person that has the ability to work and to weave the Word of God into his life. Not just people that know the Bible. Do you know, you know, I remember years ago, I went to a a, a mental health hospital, and there was a guy walking around there toting his Bible. He had his Bible in his arm. And the guy uh, that I was going to see, he was forbidden to bring a Bible, and they said, because, you know, this sets him off track and messes him up. And, you know, so a lot of people in the world... You know, they've, they've only been exposed to people who hold the Bible under their belt or under their arm, but have not been changed by it. And so our goal is not just to know the Bible, it's to change the Bible. I mean, it's to be changed by the Bible. Amen? You know, and, and not use the word to cut people up, but to build people up. Amen? That's a good one right there. And so, you know, Jesus says the difference between If you want to be wise in life, this is how you get there. You learn to apply the Bible to your life. And the more you apply the Bible to your life, the wiser you will be. And all of us in this room, even if you're 85 years old, can become wiser in your life. Amen? None of us have reached the pinnacle of wisdom. And so we all need to learn how to increase our application of the Bible in our life. And so today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some keys to increasing the application of the Bible in our life. Number one, the a key to increasing application of the Bible in your life is you've got to place a higher value on the Word. A higher value. In other words, you've got to put more, more stock in it. You've got to put more importance in it. You've got to put more, uh, more desire for it. You know what I'm saying? More value. The more value, the more you're going to be changed by it. Proverbs 2 says this in verse 1. 
My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasure. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. And now we need to value the word, the scripture says here, like silver and hidden treasure. How many of you know that, um, that you know, you got to dig for it? You know, if somebody said, man, somewhere on your property, somebody buried a chest full of money. How many of you would start digging? Amen. Say, <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of ground here, but I'm digging. There's some treasure on my property. I'm digging. And he said, that's the way, that's the attitude we should have for the word of God. Start digging. Because there's treasure in it. Amen. There's treasure. He said, search for it like hidden treasure. And so, you know, if we will do that, he says, the writer of Proverbs says, if you will, if you will treasure and value the word of God, like importance, you know, I mean, just think about it. If somebody put it stacked up a thousand, you know, a thousand hundred dollar bills and some rolls and put them right there and then put a Bible next to it. How many of you and then said, pick one, pick whichever one you want. Do you know, most people, even believers, I would, I would venture to say, would reach out for them $100 bills instead of the Bible if you had a choice of either one. But how many of you know that you're going to spend that money and then you're going to be poor? But if you get the value of the Bible and start living by the Bible, the Bible will give you more $100,000 bills than you've ever had in your life. Spiritually speaking, you know what I'm saying? Because you know what? The wisdom that you gain from the Bible will give you more treasure. But you know what? When people are so silver-minded that it, we will just automatically tend to jump at, at money instead of the Word of God. You know why? Because we don't understand the value of the Word of God. If the Word of God is truly living, God-breathed, God's Spirit, life in it, there is no book, there's nothing that can be greater than getting our nose in the Word of God. Amen. And now, two things will happen when you treasure the Word of God. First of all, you will learn to fear the Lord. Now, fearing the Lord doesn't mean to be scared of God. What it means is to reverence, respect, and honor the Lord. You know, and sometimes people don't have the fear of God. And, you know, the Bible says the fear of God will keep you from evil. You know, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Whenever you really fear God and you understand who God is, man, you want to reverence Him. You want to honor Him. You want to respect Him. Why? Man, He gave His Son so we could have eternal life. His whole motive, His whole purpose in life is to bless my life. I need to honor that, that God. I need to honor the Lord. Amen? But He says, the fear of the Lord leads. Listen, Proverbs 19.23. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction, and he will not be visited with evil. You know, some people, they have no fear of God, so they can steal, they can lie, they can cheat, they can live ungodly, and they don't care about it. And their actions cause them great difficulties and harm in life. But when you got the fear of God in you and you know that, man, I don't want to treat God like that. I want, to, I want pleasure. I want pleasure in my relationship. I want to please the God who saved me. And you curb your lifestyle to please 
to reverence, to honor and respect the Lord, satisfaction will be on your life and blessing will follow your life. Can I get an amen in the house of the Lord? So we need, so first of all, whenever we treasure the word of God, it'll give us the fear of the Lord. Number two, uh, it, will, it will cause us to gain knowledge of God. You'll, you'll learn more about God. You know, ignorance of the Bible is ignorance of God. The more we know the Bible, the more we know God. Now let me ask you a question. Does having a greater knowledge of God make a difference in your life? That was pretty weak. Does having a greater knowledge of God make a difference in your life? Yes, Yes, it does. Let me give you a verse. Proverbs, Psalm 9:10. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Those who know God trust God. And those who trust God are blessed by God. Amen. The more you know God, the more you trust God, the more you trust God, the more you receive from God. Amen. I don't know if you got that, so I'm going to say it again. The more you know God, the more you trust God. And the more you trust God, the more you're going to receive God. Amen. And so, you know, a while back, I uh, picked up this lifestyle editorial, and it came ac- I came across this article entitled, Will Prayer uh, Make You Well? And this article said that there was over 200 scientific papers that have been published indicating from research that faith and trusting in God has been scientifically and clinically proven to enhance and benefit the quality of your life. And the article went on to say, physically, people of faith and people who trust God seem to enjoy greater protection from sickness and premature death. Psychologically, people who trust God and have faith in God have a significantly higher level of hope, which has proven to benefit in the prevention of depression and anxiety. Financially, people of faith and trust God are less likely to live in poverty or experience financial stress. And then relationally, people who trust God and put their faith in Him seem to enjoy stronger and more fulfilling relationships than those who do not possess a strong faith and trust in God. So in short, it has been scientifically and clinically proven faith and trusting in God dramatically and positively affects the quality of a person's life. Those who know God, trust God. How many of you know, how many of you could say, the more you've learned about God, the more you can trust Him? Amen? And so when you value and treasure the Word, you pursue it, you read it, you study it, you listen to it, you do whatever you can to get exposed, expose your life to it, and the Scripture says, inevitably God will begin speaking to you like never before. Amen? Key number two, to increase application. By the way, when God begins speaking to you in the Word. You know, this is what's cool about the Bible. You know, Pastor Brandon was talking about that in staff meeting. About, you know, whenever you read the Bible and you, and you become systematically about it. Like, don't just read it, you know, whenever you're about to starve. But you read it like, like, like you eat on a regular basis. So you stay healthy. Inevitably, what's going to happen is you're going to go through a difficult time. You're going to have a circumstance in life. And you're going to be either off track or not know what to do. And you're going to be reading your Bible, and all of a sudden, while you're reading your Bible, a verse is going to speak right to you, like God is right there sitting on the side of you and saying, you know what I would do about that? This. And, you're like, and you'll look around and go, man, how does God know that I'm going through this? Well, that's the power of the Word of God. It's living. And it'll speak to you right where you are. If you will build the habit of getting 
into it. Amen. Are y'all with me? Okay, so key number two is you got to welcome the word in your life. You got to welcome it. James 1.21 says, therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Now, James says we must receive or welcome the word of God that's implanted. How many of you know the word is seed? And it'll be implanted and it'll save your souls. You know, save has got three tense, you know, past tense, present tense, and future tense. You know, we've been, when you become a Christian, you're saved from your past sins. And right now, God will save you from trouble and sin's power now. And then He'll save you from judgment whenever you, get, whenever you leave this earth. Amen? The Word of God has the ability to transform you and save your souls. Amen? And so James says we must receive it or welcome the Word. Welcome means to give a kind, warm, receptive greeting. It means to receive as pleasant or accept with pleasure. Amen? So before you can make application of the Word in your life, you must first welcome the Word. It's not castro oil. How many of you know what that is? You know, some of you, some of you know exactly what that is. You know, my mom used to use them, them old methods of keeping you healthy, you know. And boy, that, she'd make that cough syrup. I don't know what. It's like, if this thing don't cure my cough, it's going to kill me. But you know, this is not like bitter waters, amen. This is sweet waters. And so you got to welcome the Word. you got to welcome it. you got to give it a, you know, put a placemat out there. Say, come on in, amen. You know, I remember, you know, years ago... Um, we got a call from someone and said, hey, I know somebody that's in the hospital. Would you go pray for them? Yeah, yeah, I'd be glad to go. Went in the hospital room, and I was under the impression this person checked with them, they were okay, and I wasn't of the right church persuasion, and I walked in the room and said, I'm Pastor Todd from Family Life, and they looked at me and kind of like looked at my pants, my shirt, you know, my shoes, and they looked at me, and they were short of just saying, you better get out of here, you know? They say, yeah, you could pray. And man, I prayed. And I, it was just like I was praying for a cold center block. It was just like, okay, thank you for letting me pray for you. And I just left there as quick as I could. Hey, did you tell them I was coming? Oh, no, they, they don't really like, you know. I said, man, you owe me a steak, brother. <laughs> that ain't right. But I didn't feel welcome. But on the other hand, some people call the church and say, hey, I'm in the hospital. Bring your oil, your Bible, and your prayer team. Come on and pray. And I walk in there feeling welcome. Amen. And man, that's where the river flows, where you're welcome. Amen. Jesus didn't feel the river flowing in his hometown, and he couldn't hardly do miracles because he wasn't welcome. But whenever you welcome the Word of God, it'll change your life. Amen. And that's what James says, receive, welcome the Word. Your attitude towards the Word makes a difference in, in your ability to apply the Word. You know, if you read the Bible like, man, Pastor Todd, he's going to probably ask next Sunday if I read my Bible, so I'm just going to go ahead and just read it so I can raise my hand and don't get embarrassed here. And man, you know, and then you open your Bible and then you put your phone and you start looking at Facebook. So did you read your Bible? Yeah, I did. I have my, you ain't welcome in the Word. Come on, y'all with me? You got to welcome the Word. And so to welcome the Word, 
you know, James gives us a couple of clues to welcome the word. And he says, first of all, approach it with a repentant heart. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. Filthiness means wax in the ear that keeps someone from hearing. So the application is sin will plug up your spiritual ears and keep you from hearing what the word of God says. So, you know, before you begin reading and studying the Bible, we should first of all ask God to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse our heart so we don't have wax, spiritual wax in our ears. Amen? Are y'all with me? Because that'll be a hindrance. It'll it'll keep us from receiving from the Word. And so, you know what? A good, good, you know, a a good attitude to, to welcoming the Word is before you start reading the Bible... It's just say, God, I'm about to read your word here, and I don't want anything to keep me from receiving. So, God, I ask you to forgive me. And just, you know, the Holy Spirit is faithful to bring conviction. God, forgive me for what I said, what I did, what I thought about saying and doing. God, cleanse me, wash me. Thank you for your precious blood that washes my heart. God, may there be no wax in my ears. May they be just a pure heart before you. Amen? And then he says, then you go ahead and read the Bible. So he says, uh, first of all, therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. To welcome the word secondly, we need to approach it with a humble heart. You know, some of us are too stubborn to receive from the Bible. But how many of you know that, you know, you know whenever I say that, you know, we, we have this joke here in Cajun country. He's hard-headed like a Cajun, you know. Have you ever heard that? No? One person? How many of you ever? Been, <laughs> Brother Francis, I've been called that before. But you know, really, you know, we say Cajuns, we're, we're tough. We know how to make it through hard times, you know. But you know what? It's cool to be tough and have, you know, be able to press through adversity and stuff. But you know, to be stubborn is a different thing. You know, to be obstinate is a different thing. And, and you know, whenever you're in that condition, you're not going to receive anything from the Bible. You've got to have a humble heart. And that's what James says. He says, therefore, putting aside all filthiness, James 1.21, and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. Humility means to be teachable. It means to be receptive and surrender to the word. In other words, I'm willing to take the advice. It also means to be pliable and guidable. Meek, you know, you've heard that, that example of what it means to be meek, and that's the right, the, the original word is meek, which means humble. But you know, a uh, wild stallion, you know, those horses are beautiful, man. They, they're just gorgeous. But you know, they're really hardly no use to man as long as they're out there running wild. And so whenever man wants to use a wild stallion, he's got to first break him. He's got to break him of that stubbornness. I mean, you know, he first tries to put a bridle on, puts a bridle on, and the horse goes berserk. And then he throws a blanket up there, just slowly just starts, you know, and, and I've, Tanya and Olivia and I have actually watched somebody break a horse one time. And that guy would just work with that horse, and he, would, he started building his trust until that horse finally allowed him to break him. And you know, whenever they break that wild stallion, now that wild stallion is usable to its master. They call that the horse has been meeked. And you know, sometimes, you know, we, we won't be guided. We're not teachable because we're, stu- we're too stubborn. Amen? <laughs> Come on, how many of you can agree with that? Come on now. 
Don't make your spouse point at you. No, I'm just kidding. But how many of you know that we could receive better from the Bible if we just humbly just said, God, I don't know everything. I don't really know everything. I know some things. I mean, I know more than most people. Right? <laughs> right? You know, it's like, I don't know everything. Almost, though. You know? But just with humility, you know, just receive the Word. Humbly receive the Word. And so before we can really apply it and be changed by the Bible, we must first surrender it. And you know what? Listen to this verse. John seven seventeen. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine. If anyone is willing to do the will of God, to follow the will of God, I think that person is going to receive more from the Bible than the person who's just reading it for information. Surrendering our hearts and will to God and to the authority of His Word will open up the Bible to us. You know, for some people, they'll never be changed by the Bible because they don't, they don't even, they won't submit to the authority of the Bible. They come in with all this like, well, I don't know if it's really God or if it's really man. Or, you know, I believe in evolution. You know, it's interesting. This is a rabbit chase. But at the very beginning of the Bible, the enemy sowed the seed of evolution instead of creation. At the very, so if you, if you don't believe the beginning of the Bible, you're going to have trouble with the rest of the Bible. Do you know Dar- Darwin, whenever he was getting ready to die, he recanted on all what he said? And they got still people just in all our, our, our Bible, uh, all our universities continuing to teach that. But you know, the reality is, is that we've got to submit to the authority of the Word if we're going to receive from the Word. Amen? I can tell. I need to move on right here. Okay, so to welcome the Word, number three, we need to approach it with a responsive heart, which means we've got to be willing to do something about it. James 1.21 says, Prove yourselves doers of the world and not doers of the Word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. You know, our goal for learning and studying the Bible should not be just to get knowledge, but our goal should be to figure out how to do what it says. How can I do more of what the Bible says? How can I do more of what the Bible says? James says, if you don't move past his hearing the word to doing the word, that you delude yourselves. In other words, it means you fool yourselves. In Matthew 7, 26, remember what Jesus said? Everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And so the difference between the foolish and the wise It's not whether they went to church and heard the Bible preached. It's the ones that do the Word. So the difference between the wise and the foolish is doing what the Bible says. How do you get better at doing the Word? You've got to increase your intensity, I think. And that's what James says in verse 25. He who looks closely into the perfect law, the law of freedom, and continues looking, he being not a hearer who forgets but an obedient doer, will as the result of his obedience be blessed. So you gotta be you gotta look closely and, and continue looking. And it's you know it, the difference between you know he uses the mirror as an example. You know, how many of you looked in the mirror, you know, you went to the restroom, you washed your hands, and you kind of like, you know, while you're walking by the mirror, you know, making sure there just wasn't really something way out of sorts. But then sometimes you come to the mirror, like when you're getting ready to, you know, head out for the day, and you don't just take a glance at the mirror. You look intently. Right? Like, let's see. Is my part where it needs to be? 
You know, what's this thing sticking up right here? I need to get that one down. And so you really look intently and you do something about it to make, you know, because what you see is what you get. And so James says, look, our goal is not just to look at the mirror glancing at it. The goal of reading the Bible is looking closely at it. And so whenever you think about the Bible being your mirror, you need to increase your intensity. Increase your intensity by looking closer at it. Slowing down. James 1.23 says, if you listen to the Word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you're like. You have to look intently to the Word. And so the other part of, in, you know, of getting more is you've got you to get better at doing what the, what the Word says. And so um, by not forgetting what you learn. He said, don't just look and forget what you just saw and then go live the same way. You know, it's kind of like if we looked in the mirror... And we saw, man, we got sleep all over our eyes, and you know, we, our hair is just all out of sorts, and you know, all this stuff. And we just looked at it and say, oh well, I just go out. He said, no, no, when you look at the Bible, and the Bible like shows you stuff, don't just go on. Do something with it. Does that make sense? Do something with it. And so, man, this is where the rubber meets the road. What do I do? So how do I need to be changed or how do I be, get changed by what I just saw in the mirror of the Bible? You know, let me give you a personal challenge today. You know, when you read the Bible, ask yourself the question, how can I apply what I just read? How can I apply what I just read? Like, what is this saying to me? You know, there's, there's in one of these books, they talk about questions to ask about the Bible. Like, Is there a promise to claim? Is there a lesson to learn? Is there a blessing to enjoy, a command to obey, a sin to avoid, and a truth to remember? You know, and so you ask questions. And you know, if you see that guy building his house on the sand, that's an example not to follow. So you find out how he built his house on that sand, and you don't do that. Go build your house on a rock. Find out how the guy built his house on a rock and go do that. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Okay, let's see. I might be building on the sand right now. Let me change my foundation. Now let me start doing what the Bible says. Okay, so let's move on. Key number three to increasing application of the Bible is to prayerfully approach the Word. We need to pray for divine insight into the Word. And uh, Psalm 119 and verse 12 says, Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. By the way, if you read Psalm 119, Psalm 119 is full of verses about the Scripture, about the statutes, about the commands of God, and encourages the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's all about the Bible. And so he says, Blessed are you, Lord, teach me your statutes. So the psalmist prayed and asked the Lord to teach him the Bible. Statutes means laws, rules, and commandments. The psalmist is praying, asking the Lord, Lord, would you teach me your word? I think that's a great prayer that God will never turn down. You know, it's, not, it's a safe prayer, don't you think? Lord, would you just teach me this thing? I don't know it. Teach me. You know, I've heard of stories of people that couldn't even read, but they had a desire to learn the Bible, and God supernaturally gave them the ability to read just so they could learn the Bible. If you know how to read, you got a head start on that guy. 
I think that was Smith Wigglesworth, if I'm not mistaken. But listen, three prayers to pray. One is pray for spiritual, your spiritual eyes to be open. Your spiritual eyes. Psalm 19, 18, he says, Open my eyes that I might behold wonderful things from your law. Open my eyes, not physical eyes, spiritual eyes. And so when you get ready to read your Bible, first of all, you ask God to cleanse your heart. You you make a decision, Lord, I'm submitting to your word. Speak to me through your word today. And then, Lord, would you just open up my spiritual eyes? Because I could read five chapters and get nothing out of it. But God, if you open up my eyes, I'm going to see something that's going to make a difference in my life. So, Lord, open my eyes. Ask the Lord to remove the spiritual scales that might be keeping you from understanding the Bible. Amen? Psalm 119.73 says, Your hands made me, fashioned me, give me understanding that I might learn your commandment. Understanding is the ability to know. We need to have the understanding to know the Bible. Amen. Are y'all with me out there? And then we should pray for the ability to know what God's word means. Proverbs 2 and 1, My child, listen to what I say. Treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom. Concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. You know, I think about that. You know, the Bible was written in a different culture at a different time to a different people and all that stuff, right? But the word, the principles are timeless. They, they're as good then as they are today. But it's like, Lord, show me what you really meant. Show me what that means to me today at at this time in this culture. You know, I I was, Tanya and I was watching one of these uh, guys running for for presidential, uh, a presidential candidate on the Republican side for the presidential election next year. Uh, I think Sanatorium or something like that. Is that? Santorum. Yeah, that guy. Well, um, you know, uh, what's his name? Pierce. Pierce. Pierce Morgan. I don't know these. I'm I'm having trouble here. Well, Pierce said, started asking him questions about homosexuality and and about abortion and stuff. And Pierce said, but but sanatorium or santorum, whatever. He said, this is the 20th century. And he said, it matters not what century we're in. The Bible is true, will always be true, and we shouldn't change it because we're in a different generation or a different century. Yes. And I wanted, I think I might have said, Hallelujah, Amen. But it's true, isn't it? So the Bible is true wherever it is, you know, it doesn't change with cultures, it doesn't change with centuries. The principles hold true from generation to generation. In fact, that's why, that's how it'll keep us on track, is to submit to it and to know it. So we need to pray, cry out for insight and understanding. What did God mean when he said, thou shalt not kill? Huh? What's the Greek Hebrew for that? Amen? But listen, God has the ability to open our minds. How many of you know that? And give us understanding and to know God's Word. You know, there's two definitions of the word, Word of God, in the Bible. One is logos, which simply means the written Word. And then there's another word, rhema, which means a quickened Word. A revealed Word. A a Word spoken by the Holy Spirit. It's like when the light comes on it. You know what I mean? It's like it begins to be highlighted with no highlighter on it. And that's what it means. And so, 
you know, we need a rhema. It's a specific word that God illuminates, to, pertains to where you are, what you need, or addresses a particular situation you're going through. So we need to pray and ask God to open up our understanding and give us a rhema word, a now word, a revealed word, a word that, that goes along with what we're dealing with right now. Amen. You know, let me, let me share this story with you to kind of make application here. I remember my first rhema word, first time that the Bible spoke to me. And, uh, you know, just a quick story. My salvation, I got saved. A few months later, I heard about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Somebody prayed for me. I started speaking in tongues. And whenever I got filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I'm telling you, I spent 11 years on drugs prior to getting saved. There was no high like the most high. Amen. And a tremendous peace came over me. And I'm telling you, you know, you know, I don't even want to talk about the old life. But, you know, you've seen whenever you're really laid back and you're just kicking back and you're, you, you're low riding, and you got your hand up on the steering wheel and you're just, you know, you're just chilling, you're driving. That's the way I felt like driving all the time. It's just like not a care and a worry, so much peace in my life. I mean, the sky could have fell and I said, so be it, man. And then one day, I was getting ready to go to Bible study, and a call came in at work, and we had to do a job, all field-related, you know, last minute. You got to do it. You got to finish it up before you go home, which meant it's going to be 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I lost my peace. <laughs> yes, I did. For the first time since I've received that peace in my life, I lost it. And then I was like, oh, Lord, where is it? But I was so mad that I couldn't go to the Bible study. Did I tell this? I probably told this story a hundred times, but it, it, let me tell you, it was just like, I never get tired of telling it. And so then another call came in and said, cancel the order. We're not going to do that. You could go. Hallelujah. <laughs> but the damage was already done. My boss could tell I wasn't, I wasn't acting like Christ. The damage was already done. The peace had already left. And I get to Bible study. And the Bible study was on Philippians. The book of Philippians was through the Bible that Francis Borg still teaches today. In fact, I think they were in the class at the time. And we get to Philippians, and I come up to this verse, Philippians 4 and verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Be anxious for... Can anybody explain what nothing means? And in verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. That's what I was experiencing. A peace that surpasses all comprehension. I didn't do any drugs. I shouldn't be feeling so good was my mindset from back then. I didn't drink no Budweiser's, no wine coolers. I wasn't intoxicated. Why am I feeling so good? The peace of God that surpasses all comprehension was on me. Amen? And so, man, that word came alive to me. Don't be anxious. And you won't lose your peace. Don't be, in, don't be worried. Don't, don't get messed up by your schedule. Relax. And you can enjoy the peace. 
By the time I left the Bible study that day, the peace had returned. Amen? And then I found out I got to protect that peace. I got to guard that peace because I got peace stealers out there in life. They're going to try to take my peace from me. Circumstances will try to rob my peace. But I don't need to be worried about it because it's going to take my peace. Amen. And so finally, pray for God to give us a Holy Spirit revealed understanding of the Bible. Remember, it's the Holy Spirit that inspired the Word. And it's the Holy Spirit that reveals the Word. Amen. You know, Luke 24, 45 says, Then He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Boy, that's a powerful verse. He opened their minds to understand the Scripture. Pray for the Holy Spirit to open your mind when you get ready to read the Bible. John 14, 26, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. To go from the written Word to the revealed Word, you got to have the Holy Spirit illumination. The inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I mean, just think about it. You know, I remember when, I, when Pastor Nick first started, I, I gave him a note, asked him to do something, and, and I put it on his desk, and he grabbed that note, and he went, I think, to Miss Berta's office or Miss Colby's office or something, and said, can you interpret what this note says? <laughs> My handwriting's that good. And, and so they say, oh yeah, this is what it's, uh, okay, all right. He couldn't even interpret it. But if you'd asked me, I could have told you what that said, because I wrote it. Now, if I ask Nick about what the Bible says, he can give me an interpretation, but the Holy Spirit knows exactly what it says, because he wrote it. Amen, are y'all with me? He wrote it. He knows it. He knows why he wrote that. He knows why he penned that. And so when we read the Bible, study the Bible, whatever we do with the Bible, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the Word. Amen? Illuminate the Word. I'm thinking, man, just one little bit of truth pertaining to exactly what we need can totally, radically change our circumstances. How many of you know what I mean this morning? Where God has given you a Word that has went... It went off in you like a hand grenade, like a lightning bolt. I mean, it flew through you. You got the goosebumps. I mean, it was just like, wow, how could God know that I needed to hear that, that I needed to see that, that I needed to receive that? And you go from a a discouraged state to an encouraged state, a down and out state to a, oh, you're ready to go bear hunting with a switch. Oh, because God gave you a word from His Holy Scripture. Amen. Come on, are y'all with me? That's the word to apply. Would you stand with me? And let's close in prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How many of you are grateful for the Bible today? You're grateful for the word. You know, I think a good, a good, you know, a good attitude, saints of God, is just like, Lord, I don't want to just read the Bible. I want a word from the scripture. I want a word like, you know, like love. How many times has that word ministered to me? Like love. Just love. 1 Corinthians 13. You know, it's like love is patient. Oh, man. How many of you need a word today? Do you know God knows exactly where you are? He knows exactly what you're dealing with. 
And He loves you so much that He wants to encourage you. You know the Bible is good news. It's good news. Yeah, but sometimes it just convicts, but that's good news. Because it's just getting you back on track. Amen? So you can be blessed in whatever you do. So let's ask the Lord to open up our understanding. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to come today. Holy Spirit, we pray. God, reveal the Scripture to us. Help us, God, to not be so, uh, so knowledgeable of the Word that we've lost the application of the Word. God, just, just knowledge without application will puff us up, will just give us spiritual pride. Lord, help us to be humble enough to just want to do what the Word says today. Lord Jesus, I pray, open our spiritual eyes. Take the scales off our eyes today. Lord Jesus, I pray for light today to come over this place. Come on, let's ask Him, saints. Lord, reveal. Give us light today. Give us light today. Lord, what do we need to know? God, what do we need to know, Lord? What word do we need to hear from your scripture today? God, open up our spiritual eyes. Give us a heart of receptiveness, Lord. Lord, give us a welcoming, Lord, heart that we're welcoming the word, Lord. Father God, I pray today in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, take the scales off, Lord. Take the scales off, Lord. Thank you, my Lord. Now listen, I want to just share one more scripture with you before we go. And it's 2 Corinthians 3 and 15. It says, yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil that they do not understand. There's a veil. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's something that happens when the Spirit of God is teaching you the Bible. There's something that happens when you give your life to the Lord, when somebody turns to the Lord, when somebody says, Lord, I want to be saved, I want to be a Christian, would you forgive my sins? Maybe you're here today and you never asked the Lord to forgive your sins. You don't know for sure if you're a Christian. That veil, spiritual veil, is going to be over you. But once you pray and ask the Lord to forgive you, surrender your life, that veil is taken off. If you say, Todd, that's me, pray for me. I want that veil taken off. I want to surrender. Raise your hand if that's you. I want to pray for you. If there's anybody here, just raise your hand, raise it high so I can see it. Way back here, yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Way back here to the left, that veil, I see it coming off even now. Ma'am, right here to the left, anybody else? Amen. Listen, those of you that raised your hand, we're all going to pray this prayer, and I want you to pray from your heart and just say this, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you shed your blood for me. Lord, I'm a sinner. I need my sins forgiven. Lord, would you forgive me? Cleanse my heart. I surrender to you. I want to serve you, Lord. Help me to live the Christian life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Now listen, those of you that raised your hand, Pastor Nick, would you come? Pastor Nick, he's going to be right here in the front of the podium. Come tell him. I pray that prayer. He's got a gift for you. We're going to pray for you. Amen? Amen. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Listen. You know, I believe that the enemy is trying to keep us out of the Word. 
Every time you read your Bible, it's warfare and you're winning. Amen? Read your Bible and let God change you.